Welcome to On Healing, a podcast dedicated to sharing stories of healing and tuning into the inner calm and potential that lies within each one of us. I will be having conversations with incredible guests that have inspired and empowered me, and I hope by listening, you too will take something valuable away. This episode was recorded on St. Patrick's Weekend in New York with my aunt and uncle, Margaret and Bill, who are in their 80s, and their son, Billy. It is such a special conversation and touches on emigration, their love of Ireland and their memories of the day their dear son, Michael Desmond, lost his life during the terrorist attacks on the World Trade Centres on September 11th. My uncle Bill was working as the Director of Flight Operations for Delta Airlines and was standing in the Chief Pilot's office in JFK as the Twin Towers were being attacked, knowing his son was inside. He took out his phone and started calling Desmond and his phone kept ringing out. I've no doubt you'll feel deeply moved after listening to this. Welcome everybody to On Healing. It is such a dream to be recording the first episode of my new podcast in one of my favourite cities in the world, New York. It's St. Patrick's Day here and I am over here to do a half marathon on Sunday in memory of some very special people in my life. So I first came here when I was 13 and I stayed with my two beautiful aunts, Aunt Margaret that's here today and Aunt Vera that's in our hearts. Um, Aunt Vera passed away a couple of years ago and both Vera and Margaret had emigrated from Tulsk in County Roscommon in the 1960s at a very, very young age. And what I'm about to tell you is a very sad story, really, um, about what happened after I returned home from that amazing trip to New York when I was 13 and why this city is always, always so close to my heart. So in the months after I returned, my own father, Des Hunt, uh, Margaret's brother, uh, Margaret, but say my two aunts, Margaret and Vera, each lost a son all within just over a year and a half of each other. So my dear brother Derek died at 16 in 2000, tragically. My cousin Eugene died at 29, suddenly after an evening out at a Bruce Springsteen concert with his wife of one year. And our dear Michael Desmond died at 33 in the terrorist attacks on the World Trade Centre on September 11th. He was working as a dealer on the 92nd floor of the North Tower and he was due to finish his shift at 10am. The last time I saw Eugene and Michael Desmond was at my own brother Derek's funeral. I am so, so honoured to have Michael Desmond's father, Bill, his mother, Margaret and his brother, Billy, here with me today. Welcome. And thank you so, so much for for joining us. We're glad to be, to be here. Oh, thank Amen. you, Margaret. So glad. Thank you. So first of all, can I ask you, Bill, about your connection to Ireland? Sure. Uh, uh, my parents were both born in Ireland. My father in Cork and my mother in Mayo. And they both took... The ship to and came through Ellis Island and arrived in New York and uh, built a new life for themselves. I get they met somewhere, I'm not sure where, 
but they're married, and they located in Woodside, Queens, where I grew up, and it was a town that uh, was a draw for the Irish immigrants, so it was like being in a mini Ireland. Um, uh, my father got a job with the utility, uh, Con Ed, him and his brother worked there, and they worked through the Depression. They never never lost a day of work. So we, we lived a good life. My father was able to buy a house and a car and establish himself. And we, my brother and my sister and myself, the three of us now, we had a very easy life because of him. Uh, my mother came over with uh, my Aunt Nora, and they stayed a close relationship for the rest of their lives. Uh, they both, they, they lived two houses from each other and constantly back and forth every day, shopping at the avenue. Um, and as a result, we became very close to that whole family. Uh, I've gone back to Ireland and I first went to Ireland in 19... Uh, 60, 68, no, 68, 69. And, um, now, I didn't go to Cork, and I didn't go to Mayo, and I took some heat for that, but I went to, uh, to Tulsk. <laughs> By mistake. <laughs> Lucky you, Bill. Lucky you. <laughs> and that was the Ireland that I had been told about for so long. In other words, my parents now, their friends were all from Ireland, and they would have sessions down in the basement. And they'd pass around an accordion, and everybody played it. If you didn't play it, you probably couldn't go to it. But that's the way it was, and I heard so much about Ireland. And now when I arrived over in Ireland, now Mr. Hunt met me at the airport and took me up to uh, Tulsk. And on the way now, we, there was a fair going on. And I'm looking around now and saying, this is what I, I envisioned. There was a fair going on, and uh, the sheep were there, and he said, Bill, I had a white raincoat on, which is very unusual for Ireland. <laughs> I went over and I, he said, go to the, to the rear of the sheep and, and, and feel, uh, feel this, see what kind of a bone structure they have. And meantime, these farmers now are figuring, this is, this is the, the ship has come in. This is a yank coming over now, knows nothing about it, but he's got money. So uh, we, we left that and I went up to Tulsk and then I went into this Irish cottage now and that's roof and, and the whole bit, everything I've been listening to all my life, I'm saying, this is it, this is it, this is it. And, and, and I saw animals for the first time. Uh, I saw Mrs. Hunt now milking a cow and I was just fascinated by it. And nobody's going to the supermarket to get milk. It comes right from, from the other. Straight from the tit. <laughs> I, I remember the first time I milked a cow as well. It was yeah. strange. <laughs> and I would see her put her head up against the thing now and get down there and do all that stuff. And if Eugene, he's the only one I saw uh, that would also uh, milk the cow. And, and he'd be so rough with that cow. like and um, But he did the job, and, and he was better than anybody, I guess, at it. Um, and, and, and Mr. Hunt now took me to, to, to cattle fairs, and, 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 and I, I just I, I got into the Irish thing, the, the Irish from the late 60s, early 70s. Now when I go over, it's not as good because it's too sophisticated, too, too, too upscale. 
Uh, you know, when I see photos from them trips back to Ireland in the yeah. 1960s, mom and dad have so many from <laughs> of your trips yeah. um, back with, say, Uncle James as well. Yeah. Oh, yes. So, yeah. um, but like, I, I think it's fascinating that, Margaret, you and Vera first moved to, emigrated to London at such a young age. You were so young when you left home first, like 15, 16. You just couldn't even imagine that now. And you, like you... So we went to we, London. We were let loose. <laughs> I know. And when you got to New York, you and Vera met two friends, Bill and James. Yes. He's no longer with us. And you went on to marry them. Believe, believe it or not, the first time I seen him was at St. Patrick's Day Parade. We were on, wow. we were at our lunch hour. That's and you, amazing. You were with Jack Yaney and somebody else from Woodside. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was the first time I, I seen 54 okay. years before I've heard the truth. <laughs> this is remarkable. So this is an extra special day now. And, and, and your mother was there. No, no, she wasn't there. There was a, a fair, um, there was something in Woodside uh, for neighbor, the neighborhood uh, thing. And she went over and said hello to you. And she said, I want you to meet my daughter. <laughs> And that's how, that's how it started. That's amazing. <laughs> and 55 years later, here we are. Here we are. And, you know, this, I, I feel New York is such a special place for me. Uh, that holiday when I was 13 was one of the best holidays my whole, of my whole life. There's so many happy memories. Bill, you walked me around Manhattan. I always yeah. remember that around Battery Park. You brought me into the World Trade Centres and I actually remember you telling me how Michael Desmond, you know, he he had worked in there. He At that time, he was over in London um, and he had such, he, I think he followed, you know, after his parents, like he had an amazing career. But, you know, there's so much. Um, I remember I have so, some good memories of Michael Desmond in Ireland. He brought me to play golf. I remember <laughs> he was over for a weekend from London and he brought me, he had an automatic car. So he brought me down to the ch- uh, car park in Tulsk, the church car park. And like I was driving around and thank God I didn't crash and the car was OK, go back to the airport. But can can I ask, can you give me a sense of um, Michael Desmond for the listeners? Of the type of person he was, uh, I, I can I can I can pass on some information. Like um, um, him and Billy uh, grew up, and uh, we were in North Babylon, and and I had a job now where I worked shifts, so I would bid my shifts, so I would have time off with those kids, and we just it was near the water, and I had gotten a boat, and we just we we, we lived like a Huck Huck Finn type uh, of a life. And everything was perfect. They went to schools. They they, they were active in um, sports. They wrestled, played football. They were real tough guys. And I think they might have even played rugby, which I'm starting to uh, look at now. It's yeah. an incredible game. You're all set to watch Ireland play England tomorrow, tomorrow at yeah. 12 o'clock. Yes. Uh, it might be 11 o'clock, but yes. Yeah. I will, I will be there. But anyhow, they both went off to college and um, never a problem. Um I couldn't have been happier with them. It was the best years of my life now, them growing up and me spending all the time with them. Uh, of course, when he went to England now, he'd always call me and tell me about how he's doing with promotions and stuff like that. Yeah, he closed deals in Monaco in Nice. Yeah, yeah. He he was an assistant vice president. He was at the top of his game. Yeah. And, and then he would come back to New York now. And, and he's so well off now at this stage. He's 33 years old. 
and he's got an apartment uh, down by the World Trade Center, and there's a balcony now, and it overlooks the Statue of Liberty. And I'm thinking, boy, your grandparents. They came through there, and now we have a view of it, you know, in one generation. One of the things I think was very interesting was that <clears throat> it was a great childhood, you know, and it still is. I mean, I feel I work with kids right now as a teacher in New York City, and it's always surprising to me how, how little um, – emphasis kids have gotten growing up in terms of positive reinforcement and support so even if my parents were working i always knew that they wanted to be at every single event and you know you kind of develops a confidence in a young person so my parents were were wonderful wonderful parents and that kind of raised both as myself to accept the fact that hey man you make mistakes in life that's part of life that's actually part of the joy of life and, and learning and not being afraid to do that so uh that that was really a, a wonderful part of, of growing up do you, do you also remember on uh, friday night uh, dad would bring home home a pizza and we'd have it uh, we could, you could confess anything that went on during during the week and mm. not get in trouble. Mm. Yeah, that, yes. so my, <laughs> I remember fighting for the pizza. <laughs> I remember, you know, I, well, one of the funniest stories about my mom was like, I'm like, well, mom, what was it like raising like two like you know, a, you know, athletic, you know, boisterous boys? She's like, well, it wasn't so bad as long as we gave you meat. But if we tried to feed you salad, things got a bit dicey. <laughs> it sounded like such a happy childhood. I know I remember, Margaret, you sent over a book that had been made about all the staff that worked for Car Futures called A Celebration of Life. And you had wrote in it. I mean, I have to say it, it, it was one of the most beautiful things I have ever read. It was about the beginning of Michael Desmond's life, the journey and the aftermath. And myself and my husband, Eugene, had been in the Memorial Centre in 9-11, the last time we were over. And I just, it, I find it hard to even put into words what I felt when I heard you speak and uh, so a projector um, of pictures went up in the room at the memorial, all pictures of Michael Desmond through his childhood, stuff he had wrote in school, his business card. Uh, it was absolutely beautiful. And you spoke, Mar uh, Margaret, about the night he was born in Astoria Hospital <laughs> and how yeah. how much, you know, what a special, you, you know, you said how proud Bill was that he had a baby boy and Fiera had spent the whole night awake with him. It, it was absolutely beautiful, Margaret. And okay. I think it really just captured, you know, the true essence of Michael Desmond's life. So I, I just thought it was so, so moving. I really did. Can I ask? Yes. What are your memories of that day? Well, I can tell you now that I, uh, I was working in the chief pilot's office now and I have a big picture window now and I'll, I can see the, uh, the Twin Towers. And we got a message now that... Um, the air traffic control people are stopping traffic and it was going to be like a hell of a bad day. Um, I started calling Des on the cell phone and no answer. And just kept going, kept going. I'm thinking, he's if, if anybody's going to survive this, it's going to be him, okay? He's, he's such an athlete that uh, he can get out of that building. So I decided to go home that day. I told the chief pilot now that I gotta go home because I gotta sit with Margaret and we gotta wait this thing out. I'm very confident that'll be a happy ending. Well, it wasn't. So we waited four days 
And then the word came that he was discovered in the street, covered in soot and dirt. So he apparently was trying to get out of the building, but then the building collapsed, and then that pushed him out into the street. So it's ironic on the fact that that was a Tuesday uh, on 9-11. Uh, that Sunday, uh, as, as we did every, and during the football season, every Jet game, we went into the city and we, and we, and we watched the Jet game, Margaret and I, and then we went out to dinner. Two days later, all this happened. Now he's 33 years old. And it's always been my thought now that Mary lost her son, Jesus, and he was 33. So I always had this affinity now when I went to church now to uh, connect with the Blessed Virgin Mary to keep an eye on them and push them ahead. Um, but what happened later now, again, all the people you know, were very supportive in the neighborhood, our families and everything. And then uh, as time went on now, they decided that they would create a, um, the parish we were at had 10 families that lost their sons. They were all sons. One family, the son was on the top level of the, the North Tower, and he evaporated. He, so he left the house that day and, and was never seen or heard from. And, and she had to deal with that, you know, the mother of thing. But the church uh, had two of the uh, volunteers now take us through this grief session. And uh, we sat down there with the uh, 10 couples now, Margaret and I, and um, everybody was just so destroyed over this whole thing. Uh, and then we talked about how are we gonna handle Thanksgiving? How are we gonna handle Christmas? How are we gonna handle New Year's? You know, it's all brand new now, my God. Uh, do, we, do, we, do we stay home? Do we visit family like we normally do? And we decided to stay home on that occasion. But this grief session now, it served the purpose, and, and, and I'm glad that we went to it. But I have to say that um, after three or four months of this now, whenever we would go now, there would be wailing and, and crying and, and, and just, oh my God, it was just a horrible, horrible time. And I dreaded the Wednesday that was coming up now when we would have the session. So I had to tell them now that, um, uh, I appreciated everything that's been done for us, and I feel that you know we're able to go a little bit forward, not too far, but a little bit. And from here on, we're going to rely on family and friends and everything like that. And uh, they didn't like the fact that I left, you know, because we were all part of the support thing. But I just couldn't take it anymore. Margaret felt the same way, and I developed, I developed inside myself the ability now to. Think of Desmond, but not dwell on it. Otherwise, I get sick. Uh, you, you know, your, your stomach just couldn't handle something like that. So I had the ability now to change it and and to go back to something else. And and, and the key to key to it is staying busy. You know, it's don't sit around and mope. Get out there and, and I tell the same thing to guys that retire. Exercise. Go to the gym. Play golf, travel, stay with your friends, play cards, learn bridge, do all those things, man. Don't sit there and think about it and feel sorry for yourself. So it may be a hard line to do it, but that's what worked for us. Wow. Um, Margaret, in, in the book, A Celebration for Life, I remember 
Uh, one of the things Michael Desmond always wanted for you was to have a healthy lifestyle and you write about that and it's I even remember when I was over when I was young and like you used to be up at the crack of dawn in the gym I couldn't understand it like I'd never seen anything like that say at home and we still do it at half four in the morning at like 5am I and same with Vera and James I was like wow like these people are are incredible. <laughs> um, we're, we're a little crazy, but this is what we have to do. I have, yeah. If I don't go in the morning, I, I don't go. Yeah. yeah. Get up and get out. And, and, and one other thing I might add is that um, every 9-11 nine, nine um, is, is an anniversary and, and everybody's aware of it and the papers are full of it, the TVs, the radios, and then the people in our neighborhood and our family are so good to us because they're, they're trying to help to lift us up. But it was like it all started all over again, like, you know, dropping flowers off and things like that now. Like, oh, my God, you know, it smells like uh, we were in the uh, funeral parlor. So that, but but that's, that's even gotten better now. Somehow we've got over that now. So we're just very happy together now. We just come back from a cruise to Hawaii. We're, we're, there's nothing holding us back. We're planning a... Uh, Four months down in Florida uh, next year, so we ain't stopping. Yeah. And I, as I recall, we're considering actually coming to visit Ireland this summer. Yeah, we're going to Ireland <laughs> in August. Yeah. Billy, can mm. I ask you how have you coped with the loss of your brother in such tragic circumstances? So you didn't just lose Michael Desmond; you lost Eugene, who was your first cousin and best friend. Yeah. As well. No, growing up actually was. <clears throat> I mean, I, I say I kind of lost two brothers, you know, I mean, because Eugene and I were, were just, it was like the three of us just growing up. You were two, week, two weeks apart. Yeah. Um, so I, here, the way I saw it was just like, we kind of like got a little bit of a generation wiped out. So uh, it was definitely, you know, you get numb for a little bit and then you just kind of have to, as dad said, you kind of just push through and you, you kind of stay active and busy. Um, for, for me, uh, you know, I, I tried to go to a, like a, a group support once and it just, it just didn't really work for me because I'm like, these are complete strangers. They didn't know my brother. And even if they did, like, I just saw this as an individual loss. Um, same thing with Eugene, but losing two of them like so close to each other was definitely, it was a, it was a big hit. And, and I was thinking about like that first Christmas where we said, well, what do we do? And we stuck around. And so we're sitting there having dinner. I remember well. And, and like literally, we just started crying, like all three of us at the same time. And then there's a doorbell. And I go to the doorbell and this, <laughs> there are these lovely Christmas carolers singing their hearts out of joy. And it's my mom, my dad, and myself standing behind the door crying hysterically. Oh. And they're like, we wish you a Merry Christmas. And they start looking at each other and they're like, we wish you a Merry Christmas and we better get out of here now. I just said thank you, and I, they obviously didn't know, but I'm pretty sure they never came back again. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, like, you know, the funny thing then is with the holidays, it was a little tricky. But you know, my my dad's also got um family uh, as well, and we've got a great connection with them over there. So we kind of split the holidays. But Christmas was interesting because then usually my parents were like, "Listen, we're just going to go down to Florida," and then I would just fly somewhere. You know, and I just kind of avoid Christmas. Um, you know, I'd go to South America or, or someplace else. And then, like, you know, now it's like we, we spend Christmas with the holidays. And we've got a really good support network. Uh, my, my dad's family is wonderful. Ireland, you guys are across the pond, but I've always felt very, very connected to you guys as well. Um, not through separation, but just through this, this Maslow was his theorist. Yeah, he's this thing about called belonging. 
And what I thought was very interesting, Dad, earlier was that, you know, when you when you said you when you went back to Ireland in the seventies, my question was, did you feel like you you just went home in a way? And yeah, I, I had heard about Ireland. I mean, that was my life. Uh, I didn't know anybody that wasn't Irish. Uh, and, and we were very social family, so we had a lot of the neighbors and everything over now for sessions, the equivalent of sessions. And, and I'd be sitting down there watching them dancing and playing the accordion, and they would shift the accordion from one person to another. And you'd never see a person that couldn't do it. <laughs> Until we came along. <laughs> I know, Billy, and me and you have had some... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Great <laughs> nights in our local at home. Uh, a lot of people listening will know Clash, um, mm. you know, over the years. And I think, you know, Margaret, when I was traveling in last night from JFK with some of the group that I'm over with, um, I was telling them that tonight, because <laughs> after this podcast, um, we're celebrating your 80th birthday. Wow. <laughs> um, and, you know, I was telling them a bit about your story and they were like, you know, this reminds me of Brooklyn, the movie. The movie. Yes. Have you seen Brooklyn? Oh, yeah, I love it. Uh, oh, I feel such a connection to that movie right. because of you and Vera. Oh and like you came here, you married the most like... <laughs> <laughs> the nicest men and but but in the car one of the girls asked said to me it's like oh my god it's it's great that you've kept the connection with mm. with your answer you know all, all all through the years but i was like oh well like you know they used to come home to ireland all the time there was always a strong connection there and when the yankees used to come to ireland i mean like the excitement in our house was <laughs> through the roof and i remember say if billy and eugene i remember once he landed it was like they're outside they're outside and we were literally jumping for joy it's funny when you said before that one of your best trips of your life was when you came over was 13 I've traveled a lot, and without a doubt, the best vacation of my life was one week backpacking with Eugene. And when we got to the, the clash, the bar, we're like, we're not going. We're just going to wait. We're going to drink at the bar until someone from the family finds out. And before you know it, like, you know, family members started calling in, like, you better, you better get home, man. Your mother's worried about you, Eugene. Yes, I remember Vera called yeah, to our house, yeah, wondering yeah. where Eugene was, and worried had travels from clash to our house, that there was two of two two New Yorkers in the bar and we knew it was them it was so like their memories their memories are just they're they're so they're priceless never never go away yeah Yeah. and that's why when I come back to New York like you know I've been lucky enough to I I travel here with work um, and I just feel such a connection but you know sometimes I just feel so sad that Michael Desmond and uh, Eugene aren't here like how cool would it be you know to it would have been amazing and I know they have both done so well, like, you know, and I know yeah. that Michael Desmond was just about to earn his MBA. It's just, I just wanted yeah. to say, like, you must be so proud of the person Michael Desmond <laughs> was. You know, he really lived life to the fullest. And at such a young age, he had already created the life of his dreams. He had an apartment like looking out onto the Statue of Liberty. He had pursued all his passions, his sport life. He followed through. I know he had a very um, interesting love life too. Yeah, my brother Paul was telling me some great stories oh. last night that we could discuss later over dinner. But he brought so much joy into all of your lives. And yeah. it's impossible to comprehend why these things happen in life. And I know, say, a gift that he has given me 
and all these losses, like Derek, my own brother, yes. Eugene, yeah. I think it's to appre- like to appreciate each day. And I don't say that lightly. I truly mean that. I think that, you know, to be grateful in our own lives is so important, like to be healthy, to be alive. It really is a gift. But, you know, one thing that the three of them have really instilled in me is to follow my dreams because you just don't know when your time is up in this life. I want to say like thank you all so, so much for opening your hearts and sharing these precious stories with me today. And there's one thing I wanted to ask, say, before we finish up. And that that is, say, when you think about healing, and I know you've shared some of your, say, stories and experiences with it and every person's journey with grief is so different and so individual it's impossible to you know say what will work for all um it's a different journey for everyone but could you share something like something that i guess if anyone's listening that has lost someone in really tragic circumstances is there anything that you would say um to help that you feel that might help. Well, I said earlier, you know, the way um, our, our approach was don't sit in a, in a, in a chair all afternoon and, and, and brood over everything. Yeah. Uh, get out there and, and, and take in life again, you know, and go out and, and exercise and travel and get a lot of friends and do things. And, and, and connect with, 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 your, with your religion, you know, like uh, in my case, I go down and I light a candle, you know, to the Blessed Virgin Mary. And that's that's important, Yeah, that piece of it, you know. Um, but that's, a, it, it, it's not easy, it's never going to be easy, and in our case, um, uh, every year that anniversary pops up and it all comes back, um, but we've overcome that too. Do you have any thoughts, Mom? Any, any suggestion? <clears throat> any advice? <laughs> no, um, you, ha- you you have to keep yourself busy, and you also have to let people into your into your heart, and let them share because they they're hurting too, and by somehow you get through it somehow. Yeah, and Margaret, I I always remember reading in the book Celebration of Life about how, you know, you improved your golf swing because of Michael. <laughs> yes. You you pursued your passion in floral design. I think it's an um, amazing um, watching each of you, you know, through the years. And I just like every year going through, you know, I, I see in Ireland Michael Desmond coming up on, you know, during the memorial oh, yeah. on telly. Yeah. It's not easy, but we ha- we are a family and we have good friends. And we have yeah. we have you, you folks in Ireland, and we're. I feel I'm blessed. Yeah, well, I, have, I have all of you. Yeah, it's so good. Thank you. So Can much. I just say that today, when I was in, I visited St Patrick's Cathedral. And I lit a candle for Michael Desmond today. I lit a candle for Eugene and I lit a candle for Derek Derek and say Vera and James. I also I lit candles for actually a lot more people too, friends that of mine that have lost people very close to them. And yeah, I just wanted to say on St. Patrick's Day, I you know, it's it's such a special day. You said there it was the first day you met Bill. Um, but I am so grateful to be here with you all and I'm so grateful that we're going to go out now and grab some dinner and um, 
Just a massive, massive thank you. We're so proud of you. I mean, uh, I remember being on a high line with you and you were thinking about quitting the job. Oh, Bill, Um, this is hilarious. (laughs) This is hilarious. What do you remember? Uh, I remember all the benefits you were getting and the salary you were getting and everything. It would require, you know, you to dig in and, and speak in front of people. And I said, you can do that. You can do that. You got it. And, and, and what a track you're on now, my God. Thank God I listened to your advice, Bill. <laughs> I mean, you just couldn't. You were like, you stopped. You literally stopped on the high line and looked at me. And yeah. you were like, are you mad? Like, <laughs> And I was like, you know, I was just going through a bit of a rough patch. Yeah. But I stuck with it. And I, 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 you know, I did what you said. And it, it has led me to incredible places. Yeah, uh, obviously, yeah. Billy. Yeah, you know, with that, you know, it's funny. Um, I, I think sometimes that, you know, we, we, we let fear and anxiety prevent us from what we're doing. And so one of the things that I, I often think about is like, well, is there really purpose and meaning in life? And like and from, from tragedy and events, what I figured out is there may not be purpose and meaning in life, but we should find purpose and meaning from tragedy. So, so with that, I feel very fortunate already to have had a good family, but we also, we, we got closer. So if someone is going through something, um, you know, sometimes the tragedy can, can tear the very fabric apart, or you can spend time making sure that you build stronger connections and, and, and you have to work at them. You know, I mean, I, I contact my parents every, every weekend. I, I reach out, you know, we share ideas and my mom and I like, well, on Saturday mornings, we'll, we'll go walk the dog. And, you know, we'll do a mile or sometimes less, a lot less than a mile. Um, but 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 just by kind of reaching out, checking in mm. and just spending quality time with people that 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 you care about yeah. is enough, I think. I can't get him to watch the jet game with me. <laughs> Why do people focus on losers? I, <laughs> Billy, you know, I always remember Vera or Aunt Vera talking about how good you were to her as well, because Vera, obviously, they lost their only son, yeah. Eugene. Yeah. And then Uncle James died and then it was just Vera on her own. And I know she had all of you, but I I do know I remember her talking about how good you were to her. So you were you really you really lived what you're saying. I I felt very, very fortunate um, that I had such a wonderful support system growing up between my mom and my aunt and all that. And, you know, I I imagine my mother in that same situation if, you know, she was she was alone. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, like like once a week or so, you know, at least, you know, I drive to to Queens to to go just to hang out with her. And, And the funny thing is, it's like. It's not like I'm doing anything I don't want to do. I mean, she was a really interesting, engaging, charming, warm person. Mm. She was Irish. You know, it's, she was part <laughs> of our clan. And yeah. she was a very, very smart, intelligent, dedicated, hardworking mother and, and, and wife. And I really I feel very fortunate uh, to have gotten that extra time to spend with her. Just like even with COVID, which I thought was really interesting, was that yeah. I haven't seen my parents as much as I, as I did during COVID my entire life. Yeah. And I got, I really, and it sounds silly, but like they were part of my, what the word was, it, a bubble or something like that, you know? So I feel very, very fortunate and to have had such wonderful supportive parents. And, and as we, as we age and people change, I, I feel, I feel wonderful that I'm able to also help them right now as they get older. And my dad has problems with his computer printer or my mother has computer <laughs> phone problems with their phone or email that, that I get to just be there. And I think those small moments are what make life worthwhile. It's meatloaf on Tuesday, not going out to dinner on Friday that defines life. You know? So <laughs> thank you for setting this up, though. I think it was a really wonderful thank idea. You for, for thank you all so much. Now, how do we get paid for this? I, I, you know, it's, <laughs> this <laughs> I, I,
thank you so much to Margaret, Bill and Billy for sharing their hearts with us today. There were so many key takeaways for me after that conversation. The main one being to appreciate each and every moment of our lives. Thank you so much for listening to On Healing. If you'd like to get in touch or there's a story that you'd like to share, you can reach me through Instagram. Just check out the show notes for links.